Hi folks, Pastor Russ here. Thank you for tuning in to hear this week's message. It is our prayer and our hope that this message will be an encouragement to you. And so we just want to say blessings to you as you listen to this week's message. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. We're in a series called Live Generously. Last week was the first message, and that message was called The Heart of Generosity. And at the heart, at the core of generosity is two things, God's grace at work in your life, and the other part is, is to see people come to know Christ. That's the heart of generosity. And this week's message is entitled, A Return on Investment. How many of you have ever heard of that before? The ROI, Return on Investment. Maybe some of you have uh, financial planning and, and things like that, that you know that word and that's what you want when you're investing money, right? Things that you invest in, you want a return on your investment. And before we dig into the scripture and our, our lesson and our message for today, I have a few questions for us to ponder as a congregation. The first question is this. Just kind of dial in here. Be honest with yourself as I ask this question. If you had no time constraints, restrictions, or deadlines, what are some of the things that you wish you could accomplish? If you had no time constraints, restrictions, or deadlines, what are some of the things that you would want to do if you didn't have the demands of those things? Okay, that's question number one kind of chew that around a little bit. Another question, if you could have any gifts or abilities, what would you want to do with them and why? If you could have any gifts or abilities, I'm not talking like the, if you were a superhero, what kind of superpower, like if you could just, I mean, look around and you go, okay, I would love to be able to do that. Why would you want to be able to do that? What's the purpose that you would want with that? And the other question is, if someone covered your needs until the day that you died, how would you start spending your money? If you knew your needs were covered by somebody, how would you start living? Okay, those are a few questions to chew on a little bit here this morning. And before we get into our passage, I just want to lay a little bit of a foundation with a particular passage in Psalm 24, the Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. You take that verse and you understand that God owns everything. He owns everything. What you might think is yours is not actually yours. According to Scripture, it's God's. It's God's. That means that everything is mine is actually His, that we're not the owner, we are stewards. We're stewards, and everything that you have is an investment that God has placed into your life. He's invested in you. And so God expects a return on the resources or the things that He has placed in your life. That's a little bit of the groundwork here. Jesus opens this up for us in a parable. It's called the parable of the talents. And I'll give you just a quick summary before we read it. But Jesus says the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is like, 
And he gives the first parable in Matthew 25, and we're going to read the second parable. And he says, it's like an owner who gives talents to three servants. And these three servants, before he leaves, he gives to one five talents. And a talent, just one talent, was ten years' wages. So a lot of money in just one talent. You imagine ten years' worth of wages handed over. This guy got five talents, so 50 years' wages he gives to the first servant. To the second servant, he gives two talents, so 20 years' wages, gives it to the guy. And then the third servant, he gives him one talent, 10 years' wages to the third servant. Now he goes, I'm going to leave, and eventually I'll come back, and I want you to do something with this talent or talents that I've given you, okay? So let's just see what Jesus has to say in regards to this talents. Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. Jesus says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, and now I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And he also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents, and look, I've gained two more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground, and look, there you have what is yours." But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given." And he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Pretty heavy ending there for the servant who did not put it to work. I want to break down this morning the different resources that God has placed into our life, whether it be time or gifts and abilities, money and possessions, 
But I want to break each of these down this morning. The first one we'll start with is time. Raise your hand if you have a crazy schedule. It's busy. You're flying around. You've got to-do lists that aren't getting accomplished. All of those things. Time is one of the most precious commodities that all of us possess. And there's an equal playing field every day. I had the same amount of hours as you did. Do you agree with that? Can't argue that. We all had 24 hours yesterday to do something. It's a level playing field. Thing is, for each of us, we do not know how much time we have left. That's a pretty sobering thought. You can go to a gravesite and you, t- you see these tombstones and there's lots of things that stick out to you. Maybe it's the name of the person. Right? Maybe there's a, a verse or some kind of saying, or maybe there's the date they were born and the date that they died. But have you ever taken a moment to just look at the dash? Because that represents the person's life and the time that they had on this earth. And what is your dash going to represent? What are you doing with your dash? Psalm 90, verse 12, the Bible tells us, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We might all have had 24 hours yesterday, but the reality is we don't know how much time we have left on this earth, which means we've got work to do. There's things to be doing. Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible says, Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of your time. Making the best use of your time. You think about the kind of time that God gives each of us. He gives us a listening ear, doesn't he? You can go to him in prayer and lift your concerns to him. How often as followers of Christ do we give other people a listening ear? God gave us the time. He left heaven of all places to come to this earth. He gave us the time. How often do we stop and give other people our time? One of the things that God resources us with to use for the kingdom is time. And that's huge. It's important to recognize that we ought to take time to do ministry no matter what our day looks like. There's opportunities to help many people. And God, if, if you pray asking God to show you people that you can serve, he'll bring them to you. They may not come at the most convenient times, but he'll bring them to you. The important thing is, is are you ready for them? Another thing that God equips us with is gifts and abilities. And some people have more abilities and they're able to do things that others can't and there's just a variety of things at play here. But 1 Peter 4 tells us that each of us should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. They should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. No matter what kind of gifting, what kind of ability you carry, the reason why you have it is to serve other people. 
That's what Scripture says. All of us have gifts. All of us have abilities. Are we using them for the kingdom? Money and possessions. This one can sometimes be harder to swallow, right? Because you've heard money makes the world go round, right? I don't know what verse that is. It's not a verse. But, you know, we, we can get caught up in the love of money and the possessiveness of money. And 1 Timothy 6 tells us that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people who are eager for money, they've wandered from their, their faith and they've pierced themselves with many griefs because of their love for money. Ecclesiastes says, whoever loves money never has money enough. If I just had a little bit more, if I just had a little bit more, whoever loves wealth is never fully satisfied with his income. In Matthew chapter 6, it gives us several verses that just, I think, get right in the face of where our heart is and where money is. And the Bible says, this is Jesus speaking here, he says, you cannot serve both God and money. You cannot have two masters when it comes to this. And he also said that wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. And if you are in it for the money, it'll show in how you treat people and what you're willing to spend money on and how you're willing to give. And Jesus also said, seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and then he will provide everything that you need. And I love this verse in Philippians chapter 4. Paul says, the same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Not once does a single writer of the scriptures say, God did not provide for my needs. God will provide for every single one of my needs. And if you go back to that first set of questions, there was one question that said, if, if someone was going to take care of your needs, how would you start using your money? Hello? He's providing for our needs. He will take care of you until the last day you take your breath on this earth. He will provide for your needs as you seek him. So some of the things that we can get ourselves caught up in in regards to money and possessions and all of that stuff, who's the one that provides for our needs? Is it you? Be careful how you answer that. God is the one who provides for our needs. If you had no time constraints, restrictions, or deadlines, what would you want to accomplish? The other question was, if you could have any gifts or abilities, what would you want to do and why? And then the last one, if somebody would take care of your needs till the day you died, what would you use your money on? Did any of the answers that you thought through at the beginning, did any of them have ministry attached to them? Did any of them have ministry attached to them, or were they focused on self? Like, if I didn't have to worry about that, here's what I would do. You talk about vacation, like, get the bags ready, Brady. We're going somewhere, right? Okay? 
we kind of live in this culture that is a little bit self-centered. Just a little bit. Okay? And there's, there's something that can happen for a follower of Christ living in this culture. There's something called me-Christianity. It's like it's all about me. And we bring God into the equation, and it's all about me still. And I want to read to you a, just a little portion of this book called Radical by David Platt, and I love his address to me, Christianity. So listen to this. This is good. If you were to ask the average Christian sitting in a worship service on Sunday morning to summarize the message of Christianity, you would most likely hear something along the lines of, the message of Christianity is that God loves me. Or someone might say, the message of Christianity is that God loves me enough to send his son Jesus to die for me. Sounds like a good description, right? As wonderful as this sentiment sounds, is it biblical, though? Isn't it incomplete? Based on what we've seen in Scripture, God's, God's love for me is not the essence of biblical Christianity. Because if God loves me is the message, then who is the subject of Christianity? God loves me. Like now I'm the center. Christianity's object is me when you look at it that way. Therefore, when I look at the church, if you're looking at it this way, I look for the music that best fits me and the programs that best cater to me. And when I make plans for my life and my career, it's about what works best for me and my family. When I consider the house that I'm going to live in, the car that I'll drive, the clothes that I wear, the way that I live, I will choose according to what is best for me. This is the version of Christianity that largely prevails in our culture today. The message of biblical Christianity is not God loves me, period, as if we're the object of our own faith. The message of biblical Christianity is God loves me so that I might make him, his ways, his salvation, his glory, and his greatness known among all nations. That is why God loves me is it's now my job in response to that love to go make him known. And so when God pours all this stuff into my life and he invests in me and he invests in you, he wants a return on that investment. That there's people that you know and that you have influence with that you could show them the reality of Jesus Christ if you're willing to be generous. And to live generously with everything that God has placed into your life. Me, Christianity. In Psalm 67, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and look on us with favor. Then verse 2, so that your ways may be known on earth your salvation among all nations. Lord, bless this congregation. Resource this congregation so that they can be a blessing and a resource. Not so that you can build your own little kingdom, 
and your little comfort zone, and you can have all the pleasures your little heart desires, but if you miss the ministry, you've missed the whole point. When it comes to the multiplication that God wants to do in and through you, I believe that multiplication happens as you do ministry. I think back to when Jesus fed 5,000 families and the disciples brought him the five loaves, two fish, and he gives thanks and then he hands it back to the disciples. It's not multiplied yet. Multiplication happened as the disciples were handing it out. And I think when it comes to the resources in our life, the multiplication happens when we're putting it to use for ministry. And I want to ask this question or basically give you this statement that I think you can slap this on your refrigerator, put this in your Bible, and I think this is a good bottom line. If you don't get anything else in my message, get this. My blank should be used to glorify God and multiply the kingdom. Anything that's in your life, you can put in that slot. My marriage should be used to glorify God and multiply the kingdom. My checking account should be used to glorify God and multiply the kingdom. My house should be used to glorify God and multiply the kingdom. My car should be, I mean, you could go on and on and on. Ultimately, my life should be used to glorify God and multiply the kingdom. Filter. Filter things through this statement. It's convicting. Am I really using everything that's in my possession that I'm supposed to steward? Am I using that to glorify God and multiply his kingdom? It's a gut check for me. I sent it out in the preview for Sunday. As I've been going through this message, I'm like, Russ, you got work to do, pal. I don't know about you guys, maybe you got it all figured out and everything that's in your possession, you're like, glorify God, multiply his kingdom. But if you're like me, you're kind of like, oh, but wait, I'll pull that one back a little bit. I want to enjoy that, right? I want some comfort in that. I want some safety in that. I want some pleasure in that. And we begin to think that it's ours when maybe it's not. The last point here is that God resources us with a life that you and I were living and breathing here today with a purpose at hand. And in Romans 12, verse 1, Paul says, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you, and let them be a living and holy sacrifice. That means my life should be used to glorify God and multiply his kingdom. Glorify God and multiply his kingdom. In a moment here, we're going to have a skit to emphasize that. But as this is taking place, I want you to ask this question. Just Holy Spirit, what is it that maybe I'm holding on to that you're wanting me to give up? Okay, will you please go ahead and play that song at this time?
pretty powerful when you think about what it is that God wants, how it starts with our life, first and foremost, our life. And if we get that right, everything else flows from that. The resources you have, your time, all of that stuff. If God has your life, everything else will fall into place. There's a few characteristics of the servant that did not do a good job that I just want to highlight for a second. One of his issues is that he had an inaccurate view of who God was or who the owner was. He goes, I knew you were a hard man, so I went and I buried this. And that was his view of the owner, which was inaccurate. But he thought, since he's such a a hard, hard person, I'm just so scared, I'm not going to put any of this to work. I'm just going to go bury it. And then the owner even called him out on that and said, well, if that is truly what you believe, then that should have been all the more reason to put it to work if I'm a hard man. And so another characteristic is that the servant was lazy. He says, you wicked and lazy servant. And I think he maybe is preoccupied with other things. But here's the thing. We can get lazy in the kingdom of God. Sometimes it's just going to be hard work. We've got to roll the sleeves up. And that's, that's a call to all of us as followers of Christ. Kingdom work can be hard sometimes. But here's the big piece in this. He was missing something. He was missing something. And in verse 29, in this parable, Jesus says, For whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. And then he says something that if you're looking at this at first glance, you're like, that's confusing. He says, whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. And you go, wait a second, whoever does not have whatever he has, this doesn't make sense. But it does make sense when you understand it this way. Whoever has and whoever does not have, Jesus is speaking about the kingdom right here. The kingdom of God in your heart and in your life. And he doesn't just say whoever has. He says everyone who has. And what that tells me is that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there should be a return on the investment that God is placing in your life. There should be. It's a natural thing that flows out of somebody's life that's been saved and redeemed by the grace of God. Everyone who has, there'll be a return. But whoever does not have, even what he has, like his worldly possessions and all that stuff, will be taken and he'll be thrown out. And I look at that and the question I ask us this morning, it's two responses today. What are you doing with the investment God's made in your life And the other question is, do you have? Do you have salvation in your life? Because generosity flows from that change. Will you bow your heads with me as we close in prayer? Father, as we're in this place of response this morning, we recognize that everything we have 
is yours, and we are stewards of it. So, Lord, help us to be people who truly steward well and to put this to work, and as we do ministry, it will multiply. We ask for your help, for your courage to be able to step out in faith and do the things that you're asking us to do. And perhaps there's somebody listening right now that you're just like that servant in the parable. And in your life, you're like that person that says, I don't have the kingdom in my life. And I want to invite you to respond to that today, to invite Jesus into your heart and life. But as you do so, you must come to him in repentance Asking for him to forgive you of, of the sin that separates you from God. But because of what Christ has done on the cross, you can be forgiven. And so I invite you to come to him this morning in faith. Simply say, Jesus, today I surrender all. I ask for you to forgive me of my sin that you would come and you would live in my life and make me a new person and that you'd help me to live for you and your kingdom from this day forward and I thank you for this gift of salvation as I receive you today as my Lord and Savior and we thank you for this for anyone who's praying that in their heart right now we thank you for the work of your spirit in their life. We lift this to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. A couple things. Thanks for watching this week's message. It is our heart to follow up with people if they've responded to something that God did in that message. One thing we want to note is if you just gave your life to Christ and you prayed that prayer at the end to receive him into your life, we want to send you this free resource called Now What? And this is a journal that comes with the Bible, and it's designed to help you grow and take the next steps in your faith journey. If you're interested in receiving this free resource, we encourage you to simply reach out and connect with us here at the bottom of the screen. You'll see you can email us or you can send us a text message. Simply text BELIEVE to the number that you see here on the screen. We want to get this into your hands so that you can grow in your faith. And it's our heart here at Faith Community Church to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. Thanks for watching.